The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, week three of the college football season is in the books, and we had some top 15 matchups, some top 25 matchups. We are going to recap all of those right here on this roundup edition of the Punt and Pass Podcast. Also, later on in the show... As per usual, we will give you Ray's eight, the top eight punters of the week from the Ray Guy Award, and the great eight, the top eight quarterbacks of the week from the Davey O'Brien Award. We saw some good football this week, Aaron, and I think maybe a few surprising things. You got back from Tulsa yesterday, and when you were in Tulsa, you and I were texting about what I think was probably the game of the week, we broke it down in detail last Thursday. Of course, I'm talking about that LSU-Auburn game. Number 12, LSU, Aaron, heads into Jordan-Hare Stadium to take on the number 7-ranked Auburn Tigers, a big-time SEC West matchup. And, uh, wow, LSU kicks a game-winning field goal as time expires, and they beat the Auburn Tigers 22 to 21. A lot of storylines here, a lot of situational football. Um, I think you could call it disasters that I think Auburn fans are scratching their heads on Monday morning. Yeah, it was a great game, though. It was fun to watch. I thought Auburn, obviously, it's not a great start with Jared Sidham first play, rolls out to the right. And, and you're taught anytime there's an outside throw, whether it's an out route, whether it's a quick stop. So for, for this route, there was an inside receiver runs a full route and a stop. And usually for a quarterback, the goal is to throw it outside. And it's just like any any outbreaking route, you keep it inside, the chances are it's going to get intercepted, especially against very good, talented DBs, which LSU definitely has. Interception to start the game off. LSU has momentum. They go down there and score. And, and I think Auburn from there settled in. They look relaxed. They look calm. They finished the half off extremely well, started the third quarter off both offensively and defensively. Uh, looking like this game was going to be a route. And then LSU, that defense just keeps them in the game. Yeah. Obviously, the, that late interception, uh, Jarrett Sidham looking for a back shoulder, just not on the same page with his receiver. Greedy Williams, probably the most talented DB in the country, picks it off. And then once again, defense gets the momentum back for LSU. 
I just I, I thought Auburn would dominate, and I, I thought know. they were. Like I said, it was, when it was twenty-one, when they were up twenty-one, I thought it was not twenty-one, but when it was twenty-one ten, I think this game is over. Auburn's rolling. Um, it just didn't happen like that. So who's the who's the blame on Auburn? Because if you watch the second half of that game when they do pull away twenty-one ten, keep in mind that line was eleven. So you're sitting there going, okay, Auburn should be able to put this one away. Who's to blame in that situation of not being able to finish the game off? Would you say it's the coaches and situational time management, or was it the players without execution? I think it's a little bit. I want to talk about 2012 with us when we played Alabama in the the SEC championship game. And then this past year, national championship game. When you play elite teams and you got your foot on the throat, you can't take it off. And that's the issue. Sometimes you get relaxed, you get conservative from a play calling, whether it's offensively or defensively. Like, okay, we're going to just run the ball. We're going to keep it simple. We're just going to try to milk the clock. And there's certain times for that. You know, when there's six minutes to go in the game and you're up by two possessions, then you can start milking it, playing the field position game. But when it's a close game, when it's when you're playing a very tough opponent, especially in LSU and Alabama and Auburn, you can't relax. There's not a moment of no. just taking a break, chilling. That's what happened in 2012 when we played Alabama. That fourth quarter, we're up by 11. I think even I, I blame myself for this too. Everyone's mindset was we're going to national championship game. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, tough as soon not as, to. as soon as soon as Ogletree blocked that field goal, the first thing that my my mind goes, we're going to Miami. <laughs> we're playing Notre Dame. This game is over. Yeah. And I'm sure that the same thing happened to them last year. You know, they put two in. We didn't know how two, how good two exactly was going to be. They're saying, hey, they just put their backup in. They're pretty much just saying they quit this football game. And then they pumped the brakes a little bit, both offensively and defensively. Alabama came back and won that football game. You can't do that. And Auburn did that versus LSU this past weekend. You give any team a little glimpse of hope uh, and take advantage of it and that's what LSU did no you're totally right it definitely seemed like Auburn kind of put it into cruise control during the second half and I'm just going to say one thing that happened that really kind of made me throw my hands up in the air while watching the game and this happened early this happened right around four o'clock when Auburn was faced with a fourth and one inside the 15 yard line and it's it during the first quarter and Gus Malzahn goes for it on fourth and one instead of taking Three points extremely early in the game. Naturally, I take to Twitter. I go on to Twitter, Aaron, and I say, is there a prop bet available for Will Gus Malzahn passing up three points in the first quarter determine the outcome of this game? Of course, I was correct. And look, I understand that you can pick your angle any way you want to. But I said this on Thursday's podcast. Gus Malzahn in situational football and time management for me is not a top head coach in college football. On the flip side, you keep mentioning it, LSU's defense is extremely opportunistic, and I don't know if they can maintain that throughout the entire season, but Stidham throws two interceptions that first play of the game. You mentioned, look, if you roll out to the right and you've got that, would you say, a stop route and a wheel route? Yeah, it's a yeah little, you, it was an inside wheel route, outside break, and cut at the top of it. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep that ball outside. The reason you tell our listeners you got to keep it outside is because when Stidham's rolling, the entire defense is breaking towards that side of the field also. So that was a bad pass. And then last drive of the game for LSU where they've got to get into field goal range. They get stuck way back in their own territory. Auburn has two pass interference calls on that final drive. 
to set up that LSU field goal. I mean, it was a disaster of a second half for Auburn. I don't know if you want to blame referees, which you know I love to do. I don't know if you want to blame situational football by Gus Malzahn or lack of execution, lack of ripping throats, as my man McGruber would say. But Auburn loses this game. Now it looks like they uh, have a long way to get into the SEC championship and the college football playoff. I know week three, we're only heading into week four, but... Look, man, LSU now ranked number six in the AP poll, Aaron. Auburn drops back to number nine. That Georgia-LSU game in Baton Rouge during October is looking like it could be a heavyweight fight. So, LSU, uh, well. We'll break it down. I mean, listen, it's – I, I, I got to get I gotta get some love to LSU. Listen, they beat Miami. Yep. They beat Auburn yep. both on the road, even though the first game was a neutral site. Still not at home. And yes, the offense is not great, but Joe Burrow did do enough to win the game. I mean, that was a big time pass. Fifteen of thirty-four. Big time pass at the end to get the touchdown. It just, but he's not making mistakes. He's not turning the ball over. But it's, just, no, it's right. not a, it's, it's not, it's not a sexy stat line. He's not going to win you a football game, but this defense is going to keep you in games. They're going to keep it close, and then he just found a knack to make a play here or there uh, offensively to win it. So it's. You're Still not sold right. on him. I'm not sold on him. Uh, but this that will be a good game, especially at LSU. Um, they had the crowd. They had the defense. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and break it down. We'll see. You know, still a lot of big-time football games between now and then. We certainly will, but it, it does look like that. Uh, how can Joe Burrow not mess up? And he has yet to do that. So we will keep our eye on LSU. But they beat Auburn 22 to 21. The other top 15 matchup of the week, Aaron, was number four ranked Ohio State heading to Dallas at AT&T Stadium to take on number 15 TCU. And Ohio State gets the victory 40 to 28. Keep in mind, Aaron, TCU led this game 14 to 13 at halftime. And then they scored coming out of halftime. And they were leading this game 21 to 13. But Ohio State scored three touchdowns in four minutes during the third quarter to break this game open. I mean, you look at the stat line, you go to turnovers. TCU turned the ball over three times. They had a blocked punt return for a touchdown. And Ohio State passes their biggest test early on in the season. And guess what? Now Urban Meyer will be back on the sideline starting next week. Dwayne Haskins, though, that Ohio State team, they're deep. And it's kind of that 60-minute uh, mentality, Aaron. I, I don't see anybody on the schedule during the regular season that can give Ohio State fits for sixty minutes. No, and we. Talk, I thought TCU could make it close early. You're excited. You are a very talented football team, but like I said last week, Ohio State just talented. They're too deep, and Dwayne Haskins. There's just nothing not to love about yeah. this quarterback. His ability in the pocket, his accuracy, his footwork. His arm strength, uh, he can put the ball anywhere he wants, and he has talented guys around him. Plus, they got Dobbins in the backfield to keep things balanced offensively, keep keep the defense guessing. Are you going to run it? Are you going to pass it? Do we need to go too high? Do we need to go one high? Uh, and he's taking advantage of it. But, I mean, he he's special. I mean, he is an really unbelievable is. passer. He, he's a kid that you're going to see in New York at the end of the year. He's just too good. You're putting your name uh, on to that? Slow down. And then and, and, and now you do. It's a, it's a big uh, Coach Day did a tremendous job with this team in three weeks, leading them, and then now you got Urban Meyer back. So I'm sure those kids today, when they go into meetings um, and into the weight room and maybe even a little walkthrough, it's going to feel good to have your head coach there. 
Uh, and I think that's going to bring a spark, even bigger spark to this team, uh, knowing that your leader's back. No doubt. Um, last night I watched that Urban Meyer Tom Rinaldi sit down interview on ESPN.com, Aaron. I mean, you want to talk about a guy with less than zero self awareness. Urban Meyer sitting down and literally making things worse by just opening his mouth with the entire debacle that went down, kind of recapping the investigation, talking about why he kept Zach Smith on staff. I urge everybody to watch that interview because I promise you, you will not let yourself root for Ohio State for the rest of the year. It's unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable hey, but poor, yes poor urban meyer poor yes urban uh, yes i feel so bad for that guy i mean he just he's just been bullied Gosh. dude I, I, what I, a tough life he lives it's crazy everybody watch that he's but Aaron, trying, you said just trying to do the right thing you said it best man <laughs> look he's he's back in the building and regardless of how you feel about him as a person that team it's huge is for the getting, kids yeah, they're, it's, yeah huge it's for the huge kids and, and they travel to happy valley in two weeks to play Penn State, I'm sure it'll be a night game. I'm sure it'll be ABC 8 p.m., whiteout, all that jazz. And they historically do struggle against Penn State, so that really looks like their only hurdle on the rest of the schedule. But you cannot turn the ball over three times against a team like Ohio State. You cannot give Dwayne Haskins that many chances during the second half um, because he's proven it three times now. He is a legitimate Heisman contender and Ohio State with the amount of depth that they have all over the field. I mean, Nick Bosa, their superstar defensive end, didn't even play in the second half. These guys are good um, and, and their style of football travels as well, but TCU, they put up a fight and that spread was 13 points, Aaron, and TCU lost by 12. So Horn Frogs, good on you. For that, but Aaron, speaking about Dwayne Haskins, I believe he may be getting in another weekly award. We'll find out on Thursday. But the Davy O'Brien Grade Eight came out, and uh, I believe you have all eight names. I do. Uh, it was a great Zero. week. Another great week for some quarterbacks. We had some new ones, some new faces. Anthony Brown from Boston College. I mean, you know that team. Yeah. Boston College going to play great defense. They have a great running back, big boulder back there. Uh, but Anthony Brown, 16 and 25, three or four, five touchdowns. Uh, you had Alan Bowman from Texas Tech. Obviously, they're going to pass the ball 43 for 59, 59 passes, Jeez. 605 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, I don't think I don't think Bobo even let me pass the ball 35 <laughs> times in a game. You know, 59. That's insane. She's uh, Kyler Murray. Once again, lean Oklahoma. Big win. 21, 29, 340, 48, three touchdowns and then 77 yards rushing. Dwayne Haskins, our boy, Ohio That's State, right. three touchdowns total, 24-38, Cato Nelson, Akron, big win for Akron on the road, 17-28, 277, two touchdowns. First victory against a Big Ten team since the 1880s. Wow. Woo. 1880s? That's what the email says. That's right, dude. I got to check Going that out. back there. Whoa. It might be the 1980s. We might have to get a little take on that one. Tyler Cornelius, Oklahoma State, big win. Over Boise State, 15-26, 243, and a touchdown, and then two rushing touchdowns. And then Hopkins from Army, Kelvin Hopkins, 6 of 10, 162. Add in another, you know, these 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 uh, service academies are going to be rushing the ball, especially at the quarterback position, 110 yards and two touchdowns. And then Mr. Tua Tagavaloa. I mean, some of the throws he was making, just it was unbelievable. Dropping dimes and only a quarter and a half of play has – 
two touchdowns, 181 yards passing, 47 yards rushing to conclude. I mean, that is a heck of a list. I mean, you it got really guys is, throwing man. five, six touchdowns, first win against Big Ten since the 1880s, maybe 1980s. I, I know. know. I got that it might right have been here. a typo on your part. We'll nope. find out. I've got it right here. You want the all details right, 1880s, on that? 1880s. First 1880s. Off, yeah, first off, congratulations to all those guys on the Davey O'Brien Award. Great eight list. Like you said, those statistics are wild. A lot of really, really solid quarterback play all across college football. But here you go, Aaron. Akron. It is the first time they beat a Big Ten team since 19—excuse hey, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, 1894 when they beat Ooh. Ohio State. But— there's a little caveat here. Akron wasn't even called Akron back then. It was called Butchell College. Another caveat. The Big Ten wasn't even invented yet. The Big Ten was founded in 1896, two years later. So that is correct. The first time since the 1880s that Akron has beaten a Big Ten team. So big time congrats to Cato Nelson. That is awesome. Speaking of the Big Ten, though, there was some great punting in the Big Ten this past weekend as well. I'm here to give you Ray's Ape, the Ray Guy Award Top 8 Punters of the Week. First off, we have Stefan Flintoft from UCLA, Bailey Kate from Old Dominion, Cody Grace from Arkansas State, Don Maggio from Wake Forest, Anthony Lottie from Wisconsin. Here we go with the Big Ten, guys. Blake Hayes from Illinois. Drew Christman, who's popped up on this list before from Ohio State, and Wade Lees from Maryland. So a lot of good punting. And then check back on Thursday. We're going to tell you who the players of the week are for the Ray Guy Award and the Davey O'Brien Quarterback of the Year Award. Appreciate that, Aaron. You talked about Tua Tongo Vailoa and Alabama absolutely smoked Ole Miss in Oxford. 62 to 7. Keep in mind, Ole Miss scored first. It was 7 to nothing. Ole Miss and Alabama scored 62 unanswered points. 28 in the first quarter. I think the first time ever, if if I if I'm correct, that Alabama has scored over 50 points in their first three games of the season. Funny thing here though, you and I were screaming it from the rooftops all week. You've got to take the over. It was 70 or 71, depending on where you looked. And it looked like a surefire winner. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Bama gets 62. Ole Miss only adds seven. That equals 69. And my friends, that is a Vegas bad beat under. It is crazy. But, you know, you watch the highlights or if you were watching the game, the, the throws that Tua was making, the way that Damian Harris runs the ball, they're just on another level. Now, let me ask you a question here, Aaron. I am I am very much a proponent of the NFL is better football than college, right? Like if you put Alabama against the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland would smoke them, absolutely no questions asked. But put this Alabama team up against the Buffalo Bills with Nathan Peterman at quarterback, I think we might have a football game. Or even Josh Allen at quarterback. I mean, (laughs) mean, it's either one. I'm not a fan of either of those guys. I mean, they could make it a competitive game. I mean, this Alabama team – is the most competitive, most complete team I think we'll we may ever see. Uh, there's just no weaknesses. Got to get it close. The kicker, you he missed more. Close to the kicking game, but it's just so I, I, I unfortunately this game was the same time as my game, so I recorded it, um, and then I got I got home about eight o'clock in the morning yesterday, and 
laid in bed and actually watched that first probably three quarters. I'm like, okay, this is stupid at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. Uh, make so sense I, re- to watch I rewatched. It. I rewatched this game because um, I was hoping, like, when I when I was on Friday night, I went on my Hulu. I was like, I want to watch this game. It's too good. So I'm going to record it, watch it Sunday morning. This was like your game of the week. This was – I was excited. And we'll shoot the first <laughs> pass of the game is a, what, 75-yard touchdown for Ole Miss. I'm like, yeah. heck, yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is what I'm talking about. A lot of offense, Jordan Tamu, and then it just went downhill. I mean, and he did not look comfortable. He missed some deep passes. Obviously, he had some turnover issues. Not only running the football, he had a fumble, uh, had the two interceptions. And then Tua on third down. It's just on fire. And then the biggest surprise, I guess it's not a huge surprise. We know he can move, but to his ability to run the football and get some first downs with his legs. And then Jalen coming in and Jalen throwing for seven for 10 for two touchdowns. I mean, he looks like he's taking another step as a quarterback throwing the football. But the best guy, and I think they said in the broadcast too, Jerry Judy, that the receiver for Alabama, the, the moves he makes after the catch, his ability to create separation uh and, and then he's special once he gets the ball in his hands they're too good the defense stepped up i thought i didn't think their dbs um have been tested just yet i thought there's that's a big question mark but they proved it i mean old miss this is no slouch of an offense we know no. it they have great receivers they have a great quarterback and, and they shut them down all night long besides that first play of the game that's impressive Okay, so that t- is incredible. So tell me this, all right? Alabama obviously blowing teams out, but it's very, very widely reported that Jalen Hurts is going to transfer after this season. I mean, that is extremely obvious. Okay, well, if they keep blowing these teams out, and now he's played in three games, he can play in one more, and then if he plays past that, he loses his red shirt. The thing about the red shirt is... If he does get redshirted, he can transfer and play two seasons anywhere else because he will have graduated. Listen, I think I think he's just said, "I want to play. I want, we're going to win a national championship. I want to be a part of this, okay. not just sitting on the bench." I mean, at this point, I mean, there's no way he's going to redshirt. In my opinion, it's, you've played in every game so far. I think that's shown that he's going to be an integral part of this offense going forward. And maybe he's just thinking, "Hey, I only need one year to play. I don't need two years. I don't need to go somewhere. I have to be there for." For that long, I just want to go be a starter for a year, maybe go to Lane Kiffin at FAU, yeah. uh, play Gus, football for a year, and then go at Auburn. There. Yep. I mean, but my whole thing is this, and I, I do it because I haven't heard that side of the argument yet that he wants to be a part of a national championship run again. But if he were to tell Nick Saban, don't play me, I want to redshirt. I want two years of eligibility after I graduate. I really appreciate you, coach, but you know, I'm, I'm, go- I'm moving on. I don't think Nick Saban would grant him that because why? Nick Saban loves to be in control. And, and if 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 Jalen Hurts tells him, I'm not playing, and, and Jalen Hurts' dad has already come out and said, my son will be the biggest free agent in college football history, that means Nick Saban will have lost control over one of his players, and that is not his brand. So, Aaron, I, I like the way you put it. I, I will continue to watch this, but look, you beat – you beat teams sixty-two to seven. I mean, you're you're going down the roster. A lot of guys will be getting playing time. So, 
that will be a storyline to watch. Another team that's been blowing out the competition, now the number two ranked team in the AP poll, that's the Georgia Bulldogs. They played Middle Tennessee State. This one was over before the opening kickoff even happened. 49-7, to Jake Fromm, 10 of 12, two touchdowns, I believe. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. 128 yards. Uh, Elijah Holyfield, eight carries, 100 yards. Miko Hardman, punt return for touchdown. Georgia is deep, and they are a sound football team. Regardless of competition, they are prepared well, then you got, then you and got take Baker, care of business. You got Baker on the outside. I mean, you want to talk about the guy who probably could have Shut been down a corner. Top two, top two round pick last year, probably in the second round, maybe maybe slide to the third. Right now, he's looking like one of the best DBs out there uh, in the country, potential first-round pick. I mean, he's just a shutdown guy, and then another big game from him. This past weekend, offensively, they're just going to keep rolling, man, with that offensive line. Fromm just looks like he knows everything offensively. Yeah. I mean, he knows his checks. He knows his progressions. He looks comfortable in the pocket. And then the big excitement, obviously, was are we going to see a lot of Justin Fields, which we did. I thought he looked great. I mean, the touchdown throw he threw, I was a little nervous there. I mean, he stared it down, in my opinion. Just a hair bit too he long. He threw a rope, though. Um, and he threw an absolute laser. If you have a quarterback who had mediocre arm strength, that's getting most picked. likely that would have been picked off. But his ability to drive the football, it starts with his big lower half, his legs, his hips, uh, generating that power, and muscled that ball right between those defenders for a touchdown. So that was great to see him not only throwing the football, but running the football. Uh, just another dominant performance. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to be exciting this weekend. I know they're big, big favorites for Missouri. We'll break this down later in the week because this is going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, but offensively, they're going to have to score, continue to score a lot of points. No, you're totally right. I mean, that Justin Fields touchdown throw, I, I rewinded it on the DVR. I was like, oh, my God, that was a, a not a freshman throw. He really dialed that one in there. So certainly uh, good things for Georgia. I know the media vortex will get going once again. Got to go to Columbia. 11 a.m. Central Time start. Drew Locke. Okay. Georgia's going to be a two-score favorite, and that defense... I think it's 15 points well, there right you now. Go. Yeah. I mean, we'll, so. we'll, again, we'll talk about it on Thursday, but yeah. Georgia's looking great. All right, before we get out of here, I'm going to mention three scores, and I want one line for each of these games, Aaron, all right? Oklahoma struggles against Ohio State, wins 37-27. to They just couldn't pull away, but when you have a guy like Kyler Murray, I mean, you just expect to walk out with a dub. Yeah, it was at Iowa State, that, and, and they actually lost to Iowa State last year, so I, I was hoping and figured they would come back with a little revenge and win this football game, and, and they did. Um, they look good, but Kyler Murray, you talk about a guy who – not afraid of the spotlight, just a tremendous athlete throwing the football, running the football. Um, obviously, the big question was with Rodney Anderson, his first game out. Yeah, for sure. They're start running back. What is this offense going to look like? Is it going to be more run? Is it going to be or not, excuse me, not more run, more pass, more on Kyler Murray's shoulders? And he took it in stride. I mean, he's just he's an accurate kid, uh, throws the ball extremely well, and then can use his legs, obviously, when need be. So great win for Oklahoma. Notre Dame holds on to beat Vanderbilt 22-17 to in South Bend. I thought they were going to roll. You were texting me saying, hold on now, Vandy coming back. Um, good win for Notre Dame, but more so impressive fight by Vanderbilt. Looks like they could really compete for that number two slot in the SEC East. 
Well, we talk about no, not the. They're not going to be able to compete. I okay. think Kentucky's better. I think South Carolina's better. I think Missouri's better. But it was it was a good showing. Kyle Shermer had a good game, a very good game, throwing for over 300 yards. Notre Dame is very similar in my mind to LSU. They're going to play great defense. The defense is going to keep them in ball games, and then they so so quarterback back there that every now and then is going to have a really good drive, make a couple good throws, but still a 50 percent kind of kind of quarterback. Um, but Notre Dame, they've they've just done enough to win some of these games, and and Vanderbilt's no slouch. Um, so, but I think I think it was very impressive. Vandy going in the Notre Dame hostile environment and making it a close one was fun to watch. No doubt, good call by you, and we'll end on a great call by me. Of course, Arizona State loses to San Diego State, twenty-eight to twenty-one. I told everybody last week. I know Herm Edwards is 2-0, but let's pump the brakes. Arizona State needs to get into the meat of this Pac-12 schedule. They've already lost one to a lesser opponent. It's going to be a long season in Tempe. Yeah, and listen, San Diego State is a good football team. They They've are. shown it year in and year out. Uh, they're, they are elite, but I agree. This is going to be a long season, especially if you turn around next week and you play at Washington. Uh, you win two big games, you're high, then all of a sudden you lose one. Um, and he's, we're going to see how, how much control he has on that football team, on that program, on those players. Can he get them to bounce back? Because, yes, Washington is a top 10 team, but Washington's looked very vulnerable these first, you know, this first half of the season For or sure. first, you know, first month of the season. They are still very beatable. Offensively, Washington has not looked great. Defensively, he's been keeping them in game. So Arizona State, you know, they're not saying they're going to get blown out here. They do have a chance, but it is a tough schedule going forward. They play at Colorado, Stanford, at USC, who didn't look great, Oregon. I mean, it's 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 no easy sledding. But listen, I thought they played pretty well, though, um, and it was a close game, 28-21. It was a close game, and you mentioned it. Not going to be easy sledding. We are just getting in to the meat of the 2018 college football season. All right, thanks for tuning in. That was the Week 3 Roundup. Aaron, I appreciate you, my man. He is at AaronMurray11 on social media. I am at DrewButler13 on social media, and we are at Punt and Pass. Check back on Thursday. We will preview Week 4, and I think, Aaron, we're going to get a special guest on the show because the slate of games, eh, not that great. We'll make it interesting for you. We will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. See you.